When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Special episode. This is the first time in the history of Pod Like a Raven, I think, that we've done two episodes in one week. Because we felt the need to bring you all the news from this Ravens Thursday night football game. Give it to the people as early as possible. Not wait until Tuesday of, of next week. So we're here on Saturday bringing you this unbelievable finally the Ravens have a dominant win against a bad team. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait. I'm looking at the wrong notes here. The Ravens, double-digit loss to the Miami Football Dolphins, 22-10. I'm Antonio Barbero, and this has turned into an emergency pod with my co-hosts Jace Evans and Tim Horsey as we have to recap what on earth happened to this Ravens football team in Miami on a gross Thursday night. Well, we're going to try to recap and keep it keep it positive, keep it light, not to get too sad. We have a nice weekend ahead of us. Jace, uh, not feeling too great on Thursday night. Are you breathing a little bit now? Are you, has the sun come up on a, on a new day for you, or are you still in the in the pits of, of despair? Yeah, it's a little better, Antonio. I was prepared to come on the show last night and say we learned big lessons about how the Ravens are not to be taken seriously as a contender. How the Ravens have fundamental flaws down to their core. Um, and some of that's true. <laughs> Bits and pieces. But I will say after sleeping on it, I feel a little better. Um, I think I am more willing after a night's sleep to kind of chalk some of these issues up to it's, it was a short week. It was a road, their first road game in over a month. It, uh, it's the NFL, as you know, I think uh, we talked about the team that's number one in the AFC right now, the Tennessee Titans, lost a game to the New York Jets. Um, that happened. So weird things happen in the NFL. Um, and so I'm not quite ready to pronounce the Ravens dead as I was uh, on Thursday night. That being said, 
Um, that does not excuse this performance. It was an embarrassing game, an embarrassing performance. Perhaps the, um, certainly for me, we mentioned it last week, the, the worst primetime performance I can remember since 12-7, and this might have been even worse in some ways. Um, this was awful. It was really bad. It was embarrassing. Um, and it just raises so many questions about this team. You know, if you can lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, or uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you can lose to the Miami Dolphins, you can lose to any team in the NFL. And uh, that's certainly a concern for the home stretch this season. Uh, there was a time where we thought this type of loss didn't happen to the to the Lamar Jackson Ravens, but uh, but here it is. Tim, the, uh, the, the text thread that we often talk about on, on this podcast got pretty dark on Thursday <laughs> night. Uh, how are you feeling coming off of, uh, off of this game with a little bit of, a little bit of sleep perhaps, or, uh, feeling any, not I'm not going to say better, but, uh, surviving, pulling through. Do you see any solutions here? Are the Ravens, sh- should the franchise explode or, uh, is, is there some chance that we can have a, a successful season yet? The Ravens are not serious contenders and they have issues at their core. Um, uh, I take I regret nothing from the text thread. <laughs> I am still just as miserable as I was last night. In fact, usually, Antonio, when you start this podcast, I'll get a little bit of a smile on my face because I like talking to the both of you, whether it's win, loss, or draw. And this is no offense to you. I am horrified that I have to see both of your faces right now and talk about this game. And it's nothing to do with you two at all. And you know that. I just, I am appalled offended and enraged by what I had to get put through on Thursday night watching that game. And I had off on Friday as we record this. I did not have to work. I woke up when I wanted to a little bit earlier than I wanted to because I'm still dealing with the puppy, but you know, that's my own fault. And I could do whatever I wanted today. And yet I wallowed in sadness. I played Simon and Garfunkel. I did did the whole thing. I've broke out the brown liquor for this podcast because I don't know if I can tolerate it without sweet, sweet alcohol. Um, this team stinks, and I am not... For the first time in Pod Like a Raven history, I can say with, a, with no jest and no joke, I am not excited to be here. There is a chance we... Uh... We just blow this concept. Never do. Never again. Do we try to get? Do we do the assumed to take people behind of, the curtain? Second episode. I suggested this. I suggested this, and it's the worst decision I have made in the last like five years. And I've made some pretty terrible decisions. For those of you that know me in my personal life, this is wholeheartedly the worst one. Thinking that the Ravens against an inferior opponent on a short week in prime time would be fine. And guess what? The day I have off. I wouldn't, I, oh, you know what, let's get, for the day I have off, let's schedule an extra podcast to do and celebrate the Ravens. This will be so swell. And now, instead, I spent the entire day just watching the seconds slowly matriculate off the effing clock, waiting for this time to talk about this game. And there might be a time where I just mute and let you guys go, because I just cannot, I cannot express how angry that performance made me feel but i guess you know let's rip the band-aid off let's get into it for the let's call them the longtime listeners of, of pod like a raven we used to consistently have a segment called what's bothering jace uh that's sort of fallen off this episode is basically a what's bothering pod like a raven what's bothering jace what's bothering tim what's bothering me 
So you know, for the listener, maybe this isn't your cup of tea. Just just turn it off. Just listen at another time or just wait a week uh, and see if the Ravens have recovered. <laughs> Y'all were right. Or that. Hit refresh a couple times. Um, but it's going to be part vent, part analysis. Uh, let's get into it here. I, I guess we'll start offensively. And I'm just still confused. I've had some time to, to unpack this offensive performance. And I, I, I don't know how problems weren't solved uh, in this game. The Ravens, the first two possessions, moving the ball. With ease, basically. A a nine-play drive to start this game that ends in a field goal. An eight-play drive uh, on their next possession. And this maybe was the first small red flag that this was going to be an issue of an evening. Justin Tucker misses a field goal, of course, so it's still 3-0. But it's fine, because they're getting five yards per carry. They're converting on downs. They're moving the ball easily. And then the following possessions were this number of plays. Three, three, four plays, four, four, six plays, four, three, four. And it was the most (laughs) anemic stretch of NFL offense that I have ever seen. And I'm, I'm not talking Ravens, I'm not talking Lamar Jackson, just football. We've seen third string quarterbacks do better than this in, in terms of this many possessions and not being able to convert a first down. I mean, there's, I don't want to say too much, but I'll say one more thing, basically. And, and the turn of this game offensively happened when, after the first two possessions, the Dolphins decided, enough of what we're doing, we're going to turn this into a blitzing contest. We are going to play straight man-to-man across the field. We're going to have six guys on the line, some of them standing, some of them in a three-point stance, and we're going to blitz six to seven guys per play. And they did it one or two times, and it worked twice. So they tried it again, and then it worked again. And they tried it again and again and again. And the Ravens had no solution at all. To the, po- to the point where Troy Aikman must have said ten times in this game, I don't understand how the Ravens don't have a blitz beater on this. I don't understand how they can't take advantage of the single coverage. So I'm going to stop here before I get into what's bothering Antonio, because this is a, just a couple things that we can talk about here. What the heck happened to this Baltimore Ravens offense over basically 50 minutes of NFL football? The the blitzing was a big problem. That was clearly something... Um, I think it circles back to, you know, John Harbaugh says after this game um, that they were basically unprepared. Um, and... Yeah, uh, it's his, and he accepted blame. Fair enough. He said, outcoached us, outplayed us. Bottom line is, this falls squarely on me as the head coach. We were not prepared the way we needed to be prepared. Our schemes weren't up to snuff, and we weren't prepared to execute the way we needed to. Sums it up pretty well. Uh, They did not do anything well in this game. And I thought, like, this was just a horrible game for Greg Roman. Baffling on every level. It seemed like, and I don't know if this is just a short week, limited practice time, um, coming off an overtime game, but it truly did seem like they didn't practice. Like, it looked like, you know, Antonio, you mentioned they had those those two pretty solid, I'd say, first two drives. Like, uh, it's very funny to look back in hindsight uh, where uh, I believe I have a text saying uh, it's great they're running the ball for five yards a carry because that stopped pretty much immediately after that text. Um, and 
We even were optimistic after the first quarter. We were like, great defense, moving the ball, but it's 3-0. Classic Thursday night. Well, they never figured it out. And I blame, I think most of the blame has to go to Greg Roman um, for this game. I know Harbaugh was covering for everyone, but the offense was just putrid. And the play calls were baffling. There's obviously a Le'Veon Bell draw play, or Le'Veon Bell handoff on a second and 17 following a sack that has driven, uh, caused a lot of ire in Ravens fan base, but just, it seemed like he was completely unprepared for this blitzing by the Dolphins. The Dolphins brought DBs on the blitz, uh, 24 times on 48 dropbacks, literally half, half of the dropbacks, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, snaps the ball, drops back. The Dolphins sent a secondary player on half the plays. And it was the most blitzing any team has done by the, with their DBs in six years, since 2015. So clearly the Dolphins were like, they have no answer for this. And Roman, I thought, just had absolutely just a poor response. His response was, well, what's good for quick plays? Screens. And that didn't work at all. And it was just, it was just compounding problems. I thought mainly it started with Roman, um, but obviously Lamar wasn't sharp. The line was awful. I, some of it has to fall to him. Some of it has to fall to uh, the center, Bradley Bozeman, not recognizing these blitzes or something. And and, and and it just, it it caused, they could never figure it out, and it just derailed their offense for the entire night. Like, you read those those drives. They, they got nothing going, and it was truly shocking. It was, um, you know, by any measure, the worst offensive game of the Lamar era. Fewest points they've Ravens have scored with Lamar. Most punts. And then the second fewest rush yards in game and the second worst third down conversion percentage. Two for 14 on third down. It was just awful all the way around. When two dullards and my friend who I was watching it with won't mind me saying that in jest are watching the game, drinking one too many yinglings and saying, how the hell can you call this jet sweep again on second down? Um, You know that there is something wrong. This is a fireable offense from Greg Roman. I would fire him today. I would. I am that mad. And I don't care if this is overreactionary. That was horrendous. Putrid. I keep using that word because, frankly, I don't know too many words. It, the offense was so bad. And Jace laid it out brilliantly there. And I don't want to just uncover track or recover the same tracks. But everybody looks at the the third down and two of 14 two of two of 14 from third down on third down, excuse me. And oh, it's the same problem. The Ravens have had all year. They can't convert on third down. This is a problem. Well, it came back to bite them. The Ravens finally got what they deserved. They have let teams hang around too long. They have gone down early too many times this season and finally a bit them in the butt. And you know what? Rightfully so they deserve to be embarrassed on national television And it starts with Greg Roman. And for me, the third down isn't the issue. It's the second down. First down, it was run the ball up the middle most of the time. And you know what? They were doing it at an okay clip, so that's fine. It's second and seven, or it's second and nine even, if it was only a one-yard gain. And then they kept going sideline to sideline against zero blitzes, against guys that were bringing it constantly, constantly, constantly. Brian Flores and the Dolphins coaching staff had to be sitting there laughing. Like, okay. We're just going to keep doing this if you're not going to adjust. And Greg Roman, Mr. No-Neck up there, sitting up in the booth, get him down on the effing sideline to talk to his guys maybe. I don't know what the deal is, but he's running the same. I am doing 
by the way, for the listener, I'm doing so well not to curse right here. <laughs> doing the same S over and over and over again. And then they just pan up to him. It's like nothing happened. He looked as miserable as Dan Marino did the one time that they showed him in the stands there up in the booth. <laughs> I just, the coaching from John Harbaugh, who we love, you know, I don't have to caveat this. This is the Ravens podcast. You know how we feel about Johnny Harbs. He's a ledge. But that was offensively unprepared and offensively bad. And it falls, starts at Harbaugh and it goes to Roman. Now let's flip to the players. Lamar Jackson, all this talk about, yeah, well, they're throwing the ball down the field more. He has more uh, yards per attempt or yards per completion or whatever than anybody else in the NFL. That's why he's getting sacked more. It's a combination of the offensive line being bad, yada, yada. It was zero coverage the entire time. It was zero blitz. If you don't know what that means, it is they're blitzing heavy and it's man-to-man with no help, no deep safety, no guy in zone, no nothing. So it's all it is is a Mark Andrews, a Rashad Bateman, a Sammy Watkins, a Marquise Brown, all guys who we have touted on this podcast beat their man one-on-one on just simply a drag route because there's nobody over the middle, dump it off to him, get six yards. And the adjustment from Greg Roman, from Lamar Jackson, from the offensive line who, Jace, you nailed it, they suck. And they are the reason this team is going to, they're the reason this team's going to lose. We're going to do this over and over and over again. I'm not going to spend more time on it in this podcast. This is the last I'm going to talk about it because the offensive line is going to sink this team. I don't care if they make the playoffs. I don't care if they finish third in their division. Hell, I don't care if they finish fourth in their division. We're going to come back to this and say it's the offensive line that F this team. And it is. And guess what? Get used to it because this was the Dolphins. There's two games against the Browns. There's two games against the Steelers. There's a game against Aaron Donald and Von Miller coming up. There's a game against Zadarius Smith and the other Smith Preston Smith, whatever the hell his name is, and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark coming up. This line is going to get eaten alive. They are going to look like a middle school team against the rest of the defenses that they face this year. Just get ready. Get ready, Ravens fans. It's only going to get worse from here. So it goes from the coaches, Harbaugh, terrible. Greg Roman, fire his ass today. That was so laughably bad. The the Not even the... the, the And I told Antonio behind the curtain I wasn't going to rant, and here I am ranting. It's not even the scheme to start the game, right? It's working, fine. And then it stops working, and then it stops working. And you're screaming on your couch, and these guys will forget more football than we all know, and that's fine. Adjust. Do something. Do something different. Uh, Oh, let's go with the uh, the screen to Hollywood Brown again. I'm sure that will work. What what are we doing here? Like, uh, I play Madden on rookie mode and I know that this doesn't work. Like, come on guys. And then the players didn't execute any of the poorly coached plays offense in general was just an absolute joke. And frankly, you know, like I mentioned, I have, I have zero faith that it is going to come back with a vengeance. I love the, I love Lamar Jackson as much as the next person. I love the narrative that he is the guy that's going to save this team. And he's the guy that's going to make everything work and tick and yada, yada, yada. And he comes back with a vengeance chip on his shoulder, what have you. I still have no faith that that's going to happen. And I think this, I think this team is doomed. I really, really do. There's a couple things I want to touch on here, starting with Greg Roman. In Lamar Jackson's first year as a starter, the 14-2 and two year, he wasn't as uh, polished as a passer, let's say. That was where, as a team, they, they were trying to run it 40 to 50 times a game. And they would very often 
get into a second and 10, second and nine, and they would run the ball because that they were much more reliant on the run game at the time, and it was much better. A run on second and nine would get them seven, eight, nine yards, or five, six yards, and you'd be in a third and short because they had really good running backs and a above-average offensive line with a Hall of Famer at, at right guard and an all-pro at left tackle and other good guys along that line. And Roman has not adjusted, at least in this game, did not adjust to the personnel. He doesn't have star running backs. He's got over on the wrong side of 30 guys or half-washed guys that were free agents. His offensive line is destroyed. So you can't turn to the same tricks, and I think that's been a criticism of Roman at other places. That's what was the big problem with San Francisco, where he eventually was fired, is that he didn't adjust to things that were happening to him. He's tried to bring Lamar up to speed. He's tried to have more of a passing game. But in these situations where they couldn't get a first down, couldn't get a yard, he looked so unprepared for the situation. Another issue with this, as we've talked about, they blit, the Dolphins blitzed so often, and the Ravens seemed unable to adjust. I don't know how much of, uh, how do I put this, how much control Lamar Jackson has out of the huddle in terms of changing plays. And there's a couple of things that happened in this game over and over and over again. He would try to check out of a play when they saw a blitz, and it was seemingly the same thing every time. It was just having Hollywood either stop and turn or having him run a quick drag, and they would try to complete it, but it was 3rd and 10, and he would get 3 yards. Aside from that change, that tweak out of the huddle, the Ravens have no time to make any changes. Every huddle, they would break with 10 seconds left on the play clock, 11 seconds left on the play clock, 8 seconds, and they would have to run up to the line. Lamar would look and see 7 players standing in front of him. He would have to quickly try to say something and then snap the ball. You, that was attributed later in the game to the crowd noise. Can't have that when a stadium is half empty and all the Ravens PR people are showing off pregame about how it feels like a Ravens home game. That's a bad look now when <laughs> probably 40% of the crowd is pro-Raven and the stadium is only 50% full. Can't happen. You have to have been prepared for that before the season started. Do they do some sort of practice? With crowd noise, they must. I know college teams do it. I hope pro teams would do it too. And so you're getting into a situation where every play call, you have three, four seconds to get it off. They had a delay of game when they were on the one-yard line for that infamous 99-yard touchdown drive that they finally got where they received about 50 yards in penalties. <laughs> they had a delay of game on first down, on the first play of the drive, after a timeout. Can't have that. If crowd noise is impacting your ability to call a play, call it on the sideline. Call it ahead of time and just have the players ready to snap the ball with 20 seconds left. It's inexcusable stuff that happened in this game. And they have not... This has happened before with crowd noise. In the Bills game, it happened, even though, again, it was like a 40 percentage capacity at the stadium at the time. This has to be something that you figured out by year you know year four year three of, of the Lamar Jackson as a starting quarterback era and that's another negative for Greg Roman I know it may seem like Lamar Jackson because he's been here a few years but you got to teach him he's got to be able to make these changes in the time that he's allotted and they just ugh, my gosh they looked so unprepared 
against a team that, guess what, had the same amount of time as they did to, to prep for this game. That- well, it's interesting, just quickly on that. Sorry, Jace. It is funny because, remember, this was a plague of the Joe, Pla- the Joe Flacco offenses where it was, oh, my God, hurry up, show some urgency. And with Lamar, a lot of the time it's been, wow, like he knows the play clock. He gets it down when they're when they're up like 14 and they need a drive to kind of kill a game or whatever it is or up, you know, seven and trying to run the clock out. Lamar can run that thing to a half a second and then snap the ball. And it's 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 a good asset to have. This is the negative of that. And there is a fine line between being able to run that thing all the way down when you need to. And like you say, Antonio, showing some urgency and maybe hell. Those offensive linemen are paid professional athletes. I know being in your stance that long probably isn't that great. Get up to the line with 25 seconds, and if you still want to run it, run it down to zero, you can do that. Just sit there. Just sit there, sit there, sit there. Make adjustments when you need. It's called, it's called being a disciplined football team, which clearly, you know, they weren't on Thursday. It, it, it so speaks to just being unprepared, and... <laughs> This game was very similar to me to what we watched um, actually last year on a few occasions, but the one that specifically stuck out was another primetime game against the New England Patriots where it seemed like they were going to get it together and you're like, they're going to score, right? They're going to score, right? And they just never got anything going. And, you know, that's Brian Flores, Bill Belichick disciple. I don't know if it's something they specifically have figured out with Lamar. Um but it was just so frustrating. And, and the play clock thing is so uh, just so baffling because, <laughs> A, I agree with Tim. Like, Lamar is great in the hurry up. I think they should run it more. It's one of, been one of my biggest complaints just of <laughs> the Lamar era in general. I'm like, yeah. he, they're so good at hurry up. It seems like he just starts, they can just, he gets in a rhythm and they start rolling. But even just like, uh, they're they're huddling with like under six minutes to go, like on that 99 yard drive, when you're down two scores at that point, you're down 15 to three. They're like huddling for that. It's like, what time do you think you have left? Like you need to score and then score again after getting the ball back. It's just like, it just seemed like, yeah, like I, I guess some coaches adjust better on the short week. Clearly Greg Roman and John Harbaugh are not them. At least certainly not this week for Harbaugh. No, but he's really good off a bye. So give him 14 <laughs> days, not whatever, four. And yeah, he'll be well, they, they better, the offense better show something against the Bears uh, with 10 days to prepare now. But um, the, the only reason I'm not in the Tibbs fire Greg Roman camp is the Ravens did enter this game with the second best offense by yards entering this game, which, you know, makes, I think, Thursday's struggles even more confusing, honestly. Like, this is a good offensive team. Like, when the those, we talked about the Flacco teams, Tim, when those teams stalled out, you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> but, like, the way Lamar was playing, he was playing at an MVP level, and then they just completely fell apart. It was so, so depressing and so upsetting. And, yeah, I think it speaks to just they were unprepared from top to bottom for this short week game. We can turn defensively now if you guys have more on the offense as we continue to talk feel free to uh there's nothing i want to talk about less than that (laughs) offensive performance the uh at halftime this game was six to three miami because 
as bad as the Ravens' offense was, that's how bad the Dolphins' offense was as well. Uh, helmed by Jacoby Brissett, not a lot of first downs, not a lot of yards, a lot of incompletions from Brissett. He's a big uh, hover-around 50% completion percentage guy. However, the Ravens had a busted coverage on the Dolphins' last possession of the first half, uh, which led to them kicking a field goal, taking a 6-3 lead, and sort of changing the tone of the first half. And I'll say, um, I got I got snapped at by Jace Evans uh, via text, and it doesn't happen often. Jace, <laughs> Jace is one of the nicest, really one of the nicest guys around, just kind, uh, and I think I tried to give um, some excuses. I thought the defense had played played pretty well in the first half, but let's just say Jason and I disagreed with the Ravens' first half defensive performance. So, Jace, without us trying to get into a, uh, I don't know, a Skip and Shannon-like debate uh, on this show. Please do. Please do. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, I thought the Ravens' defense played pretty well in, in the first half. Uh, did not allow points. They did have that horrible miscommunication, which was such a nice foreshadowing to later in this game when they had almost an identical miscommunication. Uh, so I will say this, and then I'll turn it to you, all jokes aside. When you have your eighth and ninth best secondary players on the depth chart on a short week, the exact thing you're going to have is miscommunications and blown coverages. The fact that it only happened twice, dare I say, <laughs> was maybe maybe a good thing for this Ravens defense. They only gave up 15 points by the end of this game with the one, the last touchdown being, you know, obviously a, a, well, a Sammy Watkins fumble, which we didn't talk about on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe the worst game of his career. But they only gave up 15 points defensively. But giving up a touchdown uh, on the... Uh, most important drive of the game late. Maybe not the best situation for that to happen, but overall, Jace, I turn to you. Ravens defense, uh, what did you think? Is it uh, is it salvageable? What did you see from the Brandon Stevens, the Chris Westries, the Geno Stones of the Ravens? Uh, <laughs> after taking a night, what did you think of this defensive performance? Yeah, when we had our text exchange, I was definitely in the throes of, <laughs> oh my god, they did it again. Oh, no, By the way, I'm reading it now as Antonio's explaining, and it is glorious. <laughs> I, I was definitely frustrated by that blown coverage. Um, but I think that's the the annoying thing, you know, with this game, is the Ravens defense did play really well. On the whole, you mentioned the whole, the whole, the whole goals to not give up points, and they only had given up six at the half, um, including some nice stands, you know, in goal to go situations on a few occasions in this game. Um, uh, but <laughs> you laid it out the the your offense finally scores, and we've seen this throughout our time as Ravens fans. But the offense finally scores after beating their head to a brick wall all night. And then you need all of six plays to give up a touchdown that seals the game, um, including a um, 61 yards, I believe, uh, blown coverage to Albert Wilson. Um, and that's what's so frustrating is just the, the – and this circles back to preparedness on the coaches, on the players. I generally, I think, lean more players, but, you know, Marlon Humphrey spoke about this after the game. Um, 
and I found this quote very interesting. He said, uh, just speaking on the game, he said, I believe this will be a great wake-up call for everybody to be like, what is it? Am I not understanding something I'm doing? I'm not playing the technique I'm coached. Do I need to coach? Do I need coach to coach me a different way? I think there's going to be so many different things to look at, and I think you know how we understand the coaches, how the coaches coach us. I think it'll be a good wake-up call for the players and the coaches. And you know, he just spoke about like what they're doing in practice. He said is not translating to the field. Is was the the, the essence of um, yeah. He, um, and he said, even when we play good, 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 a slip up here, good, 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 a slip up there. And the final slip up is what essentially sealed the game. So that's just frustrating. Like you mentioned, this Dolphins team is awful. Like it's, it's just straight up. They did nothing. You know, Brissett, who I didn't think was great, knocked out of this game uh, with a knee injury. Replaced by Tua, who I also didn't think was great. Like he was thrown. several of those throws were like, yeah, that guy's got a broken finger on his throwing hand. <laughs> he was just wildly off on multiple occasions. Um, but, you know, in the big moment, they blow the... They, they, just, they just blown coverage. The Dolphins did not enter this game uh, with a play that went over 50 yards on the season. This is like an anemic offense. And they had two in this game. And it set up 10 points in a game the Ravens lost by 12. Um, so that, that matters. Like, that... And that's where I don't know if it's a coaching problem. Like, you have these bad... Like, is it because you have guys like your Geno Stones, your Chris, Chris uh, Westries um, in there? Like, is that the problem? Like, is it the problem just, like, the players aren't good enough? Or is the problem the players aren't good enough and the coaching isn't responding to that? That's That's just the problem I've had on the defensive side of the ball, I think, this year. On the whole, yes, I can't blame the defense for losing this game. Um, but, uh, just those blown coverages in big moments, it was just so disappointing to see against a Dolphins team that, you know, was not trying to do, did not do frankly much to win this game. I mean, the Ravens actually ended up with significantly more yards or no, they had less yards, but the Ravens had more first downs. They had 23 first downs to the Dolphins 17. And this is for a team that went two for 14 on third down. The Dolphins only went three for 13 on third down. So they were doing nothing. And um so it's the offense is to blame but i just wish we didn't have these blown coverages week after week after week with this ravens team the the big plays are just unacceptable and they've done nothing to get that fixed so i bring up when we talk about the offensive line don't worry it's only going to get worse uh big plays Hmm. okay so nick chubb twice ben roethlisberger and finally has probably Finally, probably, hopefully his final season. Wants to beat the Ravens twice. Matt Stafford and the Rams offense. And, you know, here's our side note on covering this story. No, I am not worried about Odell Beckham Jr. But the rest of the Rams offense, a bit of a concern. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. It is only going to get worse, Ravens fans. Um, You know. To finally be positive, I don't know, 35 minutes into this podcast, I thought Adafi <laughs> Owe played incredibly well. I think Calais Campbell is quietly having one of the best seasons in the NFL. He is constantly getting uh, into the defensive or offensive backfield. He is shedding blocks like a mofo, taking on two or three guys and swishing them aside at, I don't know, what is he, 36, 37 at this point. Um, so I thought that was great, but everything else Jace laid out. The defense didn't lose this game, but the big plays are a problem. The only other contribution I have here in terms of the defense, 
I have to read the text because, frankly, it was the only time that I smiled on Thursday night. The only time that I smiled. And, again, when, we, when you start sharing this, like, subscribe, share, five stars, give us a review. That helps on Apple especially. Tell your friends, when we get bigger and we can open up a Patreon, we're going to charge 10 bucks, and you're going to be able to come in on this thread. We're going to have to clean some of it up, mostly me. Um, the screen cap here is a tweet from Jace. The Ravens' defense is so bad, LOL. And Antonio goes, it's 6-3, dog. I respond, I love you, Jace, because frankly, I'm feeling the same way. And then this is where I get the belly laugh, because for those of you who have hung out with Jace during a Ravens game, you know exactly the tone that this is coming in. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I imagine them giving up the longest play the Dolphins have had all season on another busted coverage? (laughs) It's just, it's funny. And part of the reason it is so funny because it is from the heart and it is so, so true. This Ravens defense, not as flawed as the offensive line, um, but that flaw of at any point in the game, being able to give up the big one is, again, for they did it against Jacoby Brissett and Tua Tungavailoa, which by the another what's bothering Tim. Did Joe Buck just pronounce his name wrong all night? Kept calling him Tungo Viola. I couldn't I, figure out what was going on. I have no idea what was going on. Everybody else says Tungo Viola. I finally nailed that one. I mean, his brother plays quarterback for Maryland, which I, for some reason, have watched multiple games of this season. And he kept calling him Tungo Viola for whatever. It doesn't matter. Playing against those two guys, giving up big plays. Again, I remind you, and notice I didn't put Baker Mayfield in here because I'm still spiteful. (laughs) Nick Chubb, Ben Roethlisberger in his final two games against Baltimore, most likely. Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford. Let's have some fun with that. Yeah, I got got snapped at. I don't know if that's (laughs) happened to me in like 10 years. Uh, uh, But uh, I found it. I actually thought it was pretty funny, Jace. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I agree with your positives, Tim. Uh, Owe had a good game. Campbell, they showed Campbell when Troy Aikman was uh, complimenting him, and I think the words that Aikman said were, he's doing pretty well, like for a guy who's been in the league 14 years, and then the highlight they showed was him, was Campbell, like throwing an offensive lineman aside. (laughs) It looked like, like Aaron Donald. Like, he's playing fine. He's not playing fine with the caveat of a guy who's been in the league 14 years. He's just playing really, really well. And I think he understands how important his role is also as just, like, the heart and soul of this very young, inexperienced defense now. And he's trying his absolute hardest, but uh, guys are just falling around him. Um, and I don't know what we do with Chris Westry. I, I don't know what we do with Geno Stone getting major minutes. What I'm a little disappointed in, if ever there were a game for Jimmy Smith, it would be this type of game where, yes, he's not the same athlete that he was, you know, five to seven years ago, and he's banged up a lot, and he's sort of on a one-year veteran low deal as just a locker room guy, and he can come in on a few plays. This was the game where you need a guy who knows the offense, or knows the defense, excuse me, because he's been here forever, he knows Wink because they've both been here about the same period of time. And it's a bad Dolphins offense. Not a ton of super playmakers on that team. This could have been a game where he would have had, you know, 60-70% of the defensive snaps just to avoid the miscommunications and the blown coverages and the big plays. And I think he was a non-fact. I think he played like 
of the snaps or maybe even less than that. I don't have it in front of me, but I, you know, I, I don't know why you have Jimmy Smith on your roster at this point, if he's healthy and you have so many guys in the secondary out and he's still not playing when this would have been such a good recipe for a, just a veteran presence in the backfield. And it's just a, a disaster. And, and I'm scared. I'm scared for this defense, as Tim said, against real offenses, let's say. Um, special teams. That's still, we still get to talk about special teams because when you lose. Can by we 12, just be done? Can we when, stop? <laughs> so tired. I'm done. When this. you lose by double digits to a team that was two and seven. You can't just fail in two phases of the game. You got to <laughs> fail in all three. Tucker, of course, has to miss a field goal, forty-eight yards, not a chip shot, but a, for him, a chip shot. Basically, he had just made a kick that was very similar. I think in, it was forty-seven. In, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, you know, he was yards away, let's say, from the location of the field goal that he made. It didn't miss by much, but he was center cut, I think, slightly to the left with the made field goal, and then pushed right with the missed field goal. Sam Cook, we've been talking about this off air over the last few weeks. We think, unfortunately, the time may have come for Sam Cook. A lot of punts that are shorter than than you think they would be. He's not driving returners backwards anymore. He's pushing them forwards a lot. Um, over the last few weeks, he used to be. I'll start over. In the past, he used to be so good at directional punts to the sidelines, out of bounds. Where now it's to the sidelines and out of bounds, but it's the punt is 20 yards shorter than it would have been otherwise if he had actually tried to drive the ball. His inside the 20 punts are not as good, I, I feel like. Um, and he did not shine in this game. He had n- numerous, you know, quote-unquote coffin corner punt attempts that instead of going out of bounds at the 10-yard line, went out of bounds at like the 25. And then Devin Duvernay also struggled in the return game and uh you know how you have to start a 99 yard drive is when your returner lets the ball bounce in front of him and have it slowly trickle to the one yard line Duvernay got a nice talking to from Harbaugh after that uh sort of missed punt where he instead of running up to catch it he just sort of let it bounce so an F for special teams. I don't know what grades we would give the offense and the defense. I, I F minus for the offense. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Uh, C minus for the defense. I don't, I, let me know if you guys disagree with those grades. But just, boy, a stinker in every single <laughs> facet of this game. And yet the Ravens still had a chance to, to come back and, and at least tie this game. But just, boy, a loss that the Ravens deserved. I don't know if you guys have anything to uh, to add on, on special teams here. If, if so, jump in. A couple things here. First of all, uh, for those listeners who are a bit older and maybe don't even know how to um... – you know, work podcast, which is most of my parents' friends who wanted to listen to this, and I have had to individually download each episode onto their phones. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Blutarski, 0.0 is what I would give the offense and the special teams. Um, For those of you who have mercifully listened to us, uh, even in college at WMUC, shout out Ravens Wrap-Up. The running joke for me was Sam Cooke, best player in the league. Unfortunately, I think that, as Antonio said, that has come to an end. So I bring to your attention, here comes Tim Talks College Football, which does not usually happen on this podcast. But I have started listening again to the Shutdown Fullcast. If you don't, just do it. It doesn't matter if you watch college football or not. It's the best podcast out there not called Pod Like a Raven. It's hilarious. 
And one of the players that they talk about all the time, who I am now campaigning for the Ravens to draft, and I am not even kidding, in the first round is San Diego State punter Matt Ariza. This guy has a literal cannon attached to his body in the shape of a leg. He has booted an 81-yard punt. Jace, you probably have the numbers. I do not in front of me, but he's averaging something like 60 yards a punt. He is a weapon on special teams, and I'm never calling for somebody else's job. I love Sam Cook. He lives in the Westminster area where my family is at currently. Um, uh, An all-time Raven. I I would put him in the ring of honor. I honestly would for how good he has been for so, so long. I would, and punters do not get the respect that they deserve. But the future is an Aztec coming to Baltimore. Draft Matt Ariza in the first round. Do not let anybody else get their grubby little mitts on him. That guy is going to change games. And Antonio is shaking his head. He thinks this is a bit. This is not a bit. I am dead serious. Well, t- I have t- never been more so serious There's so many holes in, in this team. They need so and much Punter help. is one of them. Punter changes games. Siri just looked at me like, you are insane. Stop. <laughs> Draft Matt Ariza in the first round or maybe trade back up into the early second and get an offensive tackle in the first round. Do what you got to do there. That's fine. This guy will change games for this team for 15 years, and nobody will talk about it, but it will be a very, very important piece. He's very good. Uh, He's so good. Watch watch a highlight tape of a punter. I'm not – again, I would never recommend you do this, even if you're a football nut like us. Watch this guy's mixtape with the terrible mid-2005 rap track behind it or whatever that somebody (laughs) put together on YouTube. He's electric. Yeah, oh. Remember the name, dude. It's 20% heart or 80% heart, whatever, whatever the percentages is. It doesn't add up. It's like way more than 100. Fort Minor couldn't do math. He is awesome. He is incredible to watch. And for me, he is the guy that the Ravens need. And yeah, okay, I'm partially kidding. But if they can get this guy in like the third or fourth round, I'm dancing in my seat. I'm I'm ecstatic about drafting a punter. This is where we're at in the Ravens season. Uh, the, oh, the craziest part of all of it is I've definitely thought about like like before Tim brought it up, I believe in our group chat. I was like thinking about it to like just myself like the other week. I was, was like it'd be pretty cool if the Ravens drafted this punter. <laughs> um, this isn't exactly special teams, but it's sort of covers return coverage. This is anecdotal. I don't have the evidence of this, but I feel like the Ravens are the worst team in the NFL at stopping the other team when there's like an interception or a fumble. I feel like it just immediately ends up in, in the end zone. Um, I don't know what that's attributed to, but obviously we had Lamar's a hundred yard pick six in the playoffs. We have this seemingly should have been tackled eight times, uh, fumble return. I, there was a, uh, I don't know if it was Lydman. There was a player on the Ravens who tackled a guy on the dolphins who didn't have the ball. Uh, if you watch that return. So that's, um, that's entertaining. And yeah, just a really rough game. We've been high on Sammy Watkins. He's had some great moments, but we didn't even mention he seemed to pull up on what could have been a catchable touchdown to start this game, which might have, you know, similar. It ended up not costing the Ravens last week, but similar to Mark Andrews dropped touchdown the week before. Could have, you know, had an impact. Um, I don't know if he just thought he was going to run into the goalpost. That kind of seemed like what he thought was about to happen uh that was very strange and then to fumble the game away effectively was also disappointing but i can't rip him too much he's been good but that was that was a rough games don't get much worse for your number three wide receiver the only uh positive really i will say offensively 
is Rashad Bateman is good. Uh, he had some great catches, uh, including one of their two third down conversions on a very nice grab. So, um, yeah, he was a high point, and I've been impressed with his play since coming back. But, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what the F- minus for the offense. I like your C-, minus. I think, is good for the defense. And then, uh, yeah, another... Look at you guys agreeing at the end here. (laughs) Agreeing on the defense at the end. Oh my gosh. And it was just, as we sort of wrap this up, even all these things have to happen. It was even a game where the ball seemed to be bouncing the Dolphins' way as opposed to the Ravens' way. Mark Andrews has a a maybe catch that they call a catch on the field. Oh my God. Oh my God. Review it. Show, Show the fans 800 different angles. Look, I don't actually think Mark Andrews caught the ball. Did I see any angle of any camera that showed any part of a football hitting the ground while he was trying to catch it? No, not at all. How you can overturn that? And again, I'm I'm like turning. Troy Aikman's kind of my guy. I I'm not really. I don't do a ton of the Fox. I don't hear a lot of the Fox broadcasts. I like him a lot. He says a lot of the. He he says what I'm thinking. I I really enjoy that. <laughs> But he's being pretty candid about the fact where, yeah, you know, sometimes the uh, the replay official, they piece the highlights together. They piece the replays together to make a call. There were no pieces of anything to show that the ball hit the ground. And then on Sammy Watkins' catch, is it a catch or is it a fumble? It looks like maybe he didn't get that second foot down the third foot. No, of course it's a catch. Uh, of course he fumbles it. And then, yes, Jace, absolutely the Ravens have the worst tackling offense in the NFL. <laughs> And it even looks bad. I feel like Lamar Jackson is one of the coolest guys on planet Earth. He looks bad when trying to tackle anybody. He always ends up spinning around multiple times, never getting anywhere close to tackling anybody. Oh my gosh. Everything about this game was horrendous. So of course we're here to bring it bring it all to you with this bonus episode. For me, real quickly. Sorry, Antonio, before you wrap. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Mike Pereira was two handles of Tito's deep. Uh, when he was talking about that, because he was like, he, he was, oh yeah, it was absolutely no catch. You tell that. And look, I'm not going to, I don't want to do a whole segment on the referees. Um, I thought they were whatever throughout most of the game. Frankly, some of the stuff that the Ravens got on that 99 yard drive was absolute BS and uh, great for us. Fine. You nailed it. You can't see the ball on any of those angles that they showed. There is no angle of it hitting the ground whatsoever. It doesn't peek out. And Pereira's sitting there like, I was just thinking, oh, look, it's my hit the ball right there. I don't know. Can I get some tonic and a splash of lemon here? Oh, I, just, I love these Tito's. Tito's. I talk about Tito's in every interview I go on. Oh, very close. Moron <laughs> calling the entire time saying that it's definitely an incomplete pass. My head was about to explode. And it was in a crucial part of the game. And in the heat of the moment, you're like, they screwed us. They screwed us. They screwed us. They're not trying to screw the Ravens. The Ravens should have lost that game. They got what they deserved, yada, yada, yada. But that was, it was egregious on all counts. Uh, Last thing I'll say, and then if you guys have anything else, a fun thing happened. An offensive lineman for the Dolphins caught a pass that he definitely shouldn't have caught, and he ran it, broke tackles, you know, somersaulted. Had the the presence of mind to reach the ball over the over the end zone line would have one hundred percent been a touchdown on review if he weren't an offensive lineman who could not catch a football. That was 
high high quality content just because it was such a bad throw. He was standing directly next to, I believe it was Miles Gaskin, the running back, on a screen, and Tua's <laughs> throw was so bad that it was just directly into the chest of the right guard next to him. Uh, a highlight for the game. I thought they, the refs were somehow going to mess it up and just give him the touchdown. I thought maybe they were doing the uh, the Bill Belichick Patriots thing from the playoff game against the Ravens where they had linemen lining up outside and guys that were eligible that shouldn't have been and all this, that it didn't count. It was uh, high comedy. Uh, I guess the best play of that game really. Um, and that's it. And we're going to move past this because it's just one loss. Again, the Ravens can say, you know, it's an eye opener and we have a lot to learn, but um, it may be a sign of, of things to come <laughs> when the competition gets significantly better. Guys, any last uh, last comments here as we wrap up? I have one. And yes, I've been angry this entire podcast. And that this is a venting podcast, as we're here for. If you have thoughts, podlograven at gmail.com, Instagram, Twitter, same things. You know where to find us. I wasn't... I was upset this entire game, right? I think that play made me more furious than any other play in this game. <laughs> and it was the hype that the incompetence of this stupid offensive lineman got. You're not supposed to touch the ball. In what, in what world do you think this is funny? This guy's getting interviewed on Good Morning America. He's going on to the post-game show. Oh, that was funny. Fat guy touchdown. It's like the replacements line. Everybody loves a fat guy score, a fat guy spike, and a fat guy dance. You're not supposed to catch the ball. Your running back is right there. The guy is a moron, and we're celebrating it. I thought it was egregious, the coverage that this got, and it was not funny whatsoever. And no, it is not just because my team got embarrassed by the Miami Effie Dolphins on Thursday night by 12 points. Uh, I disagree. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> it sucked. I hated it. Yeah. Uh, the, la the last thing, yeah, the Miami Dolphins, Tim, a team that we've handled the last few times, the, the famous 59-10 to win on the road week one a couple of years ago. They had a, uh, a was it a 40 to nothing home win against these Dolphins? On Thursday Night Football. <sighs> this team didn't do this. They didn't lose to bad teams, and it's a frustrating season. But it's all right. It's one week. Would I have enjoyed 7-2 and two, much more than 6-3? and three? Yes. Do we still have a team that's in first place? That, you know, whenever things look horrendous, they end up looking better in the weeks following. I hope so. Uh, that's going to do it. You're welcome for this bonus episode. That was really just an opportunity for the three of us to complain uh, and vent. We will be back in just a couple of days. We're going to do uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, with the new episode on Tuesday, where we will recap the uh, weekend of NFL football, as well as preview the Ravens versus the Chicago Bears. An opportunity for redemption for this team that hopefully has 10 days now to uh, to rest, to figure out an offensive game plan, and dare I say maybe even get some guys back like, like a Nick Boyle that the Ravens have certainly been waiting for. But for now, that is going to do it for us. I am Antonio Barbera, joined by Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. Thank you for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in three days.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.